This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Canada's housing market is being hit with fixed prices and sky-high unaffordability. Dr. Paul Kershaw, tenured University of BC professor and founder of Generation Squeeze, highlights where the system is and isn't working. Will younger generations ever be able to get into the housing market? In fact, at shiftheads.ca, we've linked to his website, gensqueeze.ca. We play game showy. Brendan and Shane face off in an all-Ontario edition of the game showy game show. The winner gets to be Premier of Ontario. We're playing for ridings. It's a lot of fun. Plus, are you okay with amusement rides that spin, maybe go upside down? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. I don't know about you, but I I feel like we should get into the game show, Intero, and get started with the game show. That's right, it's time for the greatest game show in the history of radio game shows. It's a show called Game Showy. Game Showy comes from our idea to have a game show, but our lack of time and energy invested in naming it. Our theme this week, oh that's right, here's your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Oh, Thanks, Bob. <laughs> well done. Oh, it's great to be back. You're welcome, game Ryan. Oh, our theme this week is Ontario. Ontario, as Ontarians voted in their provincial election. So we've got some excellent uh, potential categories here for you two to, uh, to trivia it out in. Your first category is places and spaces in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Your second category are bands and music from mm-hmm. Ontario and Ontario sports. <sighs> That's it. That's all. Trivia within. Do you Trivia. Want to get into the rules? Or do you want to do that? Thanks, Ryan. Our categories welcome, are places and spaces, Ontario bands, and sports teams. Why don't you tell us the rules? For game showing. <laughs> the rules are pretty darn simple, Bob. If you get the trivia answer right, you're going to hear this lovely sound. One second. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Low budget game show. Silence. <laughs> Too many buttons. <laughs> if you get it wrong. Excellent. And as a reminder, each contestant can use the text line for an answer once and only once. But if you call on the text line for help, you must use the answer provided by texters. So get your phones ready. Be ready to text 877-399-9898. You could be the deciding uh, vote or, or trivia answer. You could help it all. So last time, Shane finally won a game of, of Game Showy. Finally? We know. Finally. It, it had been a hot credit. minute. And uh, Brennan no, Kelly yeah. uh, came in second, which also yeah. happens to be last. So, yeah. um, Brendan Kelly, I'm going to let you go first. Now, what are we competing for? Last week, it was for cans of hairspray as we looked and did 80s trivia. Yeah. And since we're talking That's about Ontario, yeah, yeah, which you didn't really need anyway. Yeah, I didn't need those. Um, and higher. kind of yeah. like the Toronto Maple Leafs, we are going to be competing for Stanley Cups. No, Ooh, that can't be sorry. a thing. That's no. a bit too, much. That's, that's a bit tight. Too soon. That's I don't even like I'm hockey, sorry. and I know that's not Ryan nice. O'Donnell is a Montreal Canadiens fan. Yeah, I should I'm probably sorry. say that to that all was, your Leafs yeah. fans listening. Nice. Okay, I'm going to... Okay, you know what? Why don't we do this? I'm going to host <laughs> yeah. an election. We are going okay. to host an election right here, right now. You two yeah. will be competing to be the Premier of Ontario. Oh, Therefore, no. I love it. Oh. you will be asking for questions which are within ridings actual ridings within ontario all right so we're going to um so we could basically overturn thursday's election and doug Mm -hmm. ford could be out of a job yep sorry doug all right let's get started gotta be let's get started started. a reminder your categories are places and spaces ontario bands and music and sports teams from ontario so how many ridings are you going to play for? One, two, or three? Yep. Uh, well, I'd just also like to point out that I was actually born in Ontario, so I would be a pure 
prime minister or premier if I like I wouldn't be like a, a no, wannabe I, like Shane over there who was born in hey, Port Alberni. Port Alberni. I was born in Flimflon, thank you. Yeah, whatever. Mm. <laughs> um with that being said, I will be playing for three ridings to take a huge lead off the wow. top. Three ridings within which category, my friend? Uh, let's go with bands and music. Bands oh, and course. music. We're going to play a little game, okay? This is your it's first game question. Show-y. It's game show, all right? <laughs> you could win three ridings in your election, including one of them being Milton, the riding of Milton. There you go, Ooh, Brendan. I you love Milton. the king of Milton. Milton. Yeah. I'm going to ask you this simple question. Yeah. For three ridings, Party Brendan Kelly... Can you name this Ontario song slash artist on just one note, just one note of this song? That's about four notes. Yeah, I was going to say that's a lot. One second. One second. That's Uh, like a a stanza, technically. Yeah. I don't, I actually don't know. Um, I will let you hear it again. I will let you hear okay. it again. Because I could just, man. yeah, I could actually put it on cue and hear it as many times as I want and shazam it because <laughs> yes, I've got the power over power. here to do that. Oh, yes. God. I don't know. It's, you don't know. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Some lame. That's a tough one. Uh, Oof. Let's go to the text line. Oh, going to the text oh, line, 877-399-9898. If you know what song that is, got to text it in right away and uh, see if we get an answer if you know. Do, do, do. Play it again one more time for everybody. Do, do, so they know. Oh, I think I know it, but I can't think of the name. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I'm stuck in that area. I'm going to give you a hint. This is a really tough one. This is why this what one's are you worth doing? three ridings. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm born I have, in Ontario. Hey, I have hints for you too, Shane. Don't worry. Okay. You're okay? going to need them. Make sure, okay? This song was covered, and arguably the cover is more famous than that version right there. All right, I'll go with the first text that comes in, which matches up with that hint. Uh, is it Bruce Coburn's A Lover's in Dangerous Time, which was covered by the Bare Naked Ladies? That is correct. That yeah. is correct. Yes, very good on the text line. Ready there. Yes, lovers in a dangerous space time. Dangerous space time. I always say that by accident. I don't know why. Yes, Bruce... Uh, that's the original there. There you go. There, the text line worked. Three writings. We're sorry. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. What? What just happened? Oh, oh Shane's got control. Yeah, Shane's the, got yeah. sound effects over there. I hit that's the wrong button was. right yeah. next to the boo oh, was the bad okay. phone call. That was, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, Brennan Kelly in the lead with three writings. Oh, including man. Milton in there. Oh, okay. So I'm going to go with uh, three ridings too because I got to get some riding mm-hmm. so I can be premier of Ontario. Places and spaces. I got to try to catch places up. Places and spaces. So he got a hint and a text message. Just to be clear. Okay. So if you know the answer to this, eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. I might need help. Where's your places and spaces question? What? If you use the text, you can only use the text then, basically. You can only use yeah, the text. So I didn't say I was going to use it yet. I just But you just told them to text the answer. <laughs> That's well, full on cheating the, right there. That's the point. Everyone gets to text the answer, and Everybody then maybe we can use it. Okay. Right? This coming from the guy who just threatened to shazam the audio clip so we can have the answer. <laughs> like, slow your roll, big fella. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Shane, here's your question. This town in Ontario shares its name with a town in the United States, which also shares its name with an incredibly famous music festival that had over 400,000 attendants. Oh, I know that one. Yeah. See, that's what happens when you, uh, when you found a business with one of your uh, business colleagues in London, Ontario. You're very close to Woodstock, Ontario, Bob. That is... Correct, Amundo. Yes, that is the correct yes. answer. Woodstock, Ontario. My grandparents right. used to live there. I love Woodstock. Beautiful little town. It's on the 401, and uh, it calls itself the dairy capital of Canada, and the motto is the friendly city. Oh, there you go. Aww, we have got a tie. Really, you just eh? won three ridings, including the riding Sweet. of Davenport. Congratulations. Like mm-hmm. Dairy. Moo-moo. Brennan Kelly, uh, reminder, the categories for Game Showy. We've got places and spaces, bands from Ontario, and Ontario sports. 
What's your category, my friend? I'm going to go with sports because I'm such a big sports guy. Sport. Okay. How many ridings would you like to play for? Uh, I'll go for in two. The sports. In the world of two. Okay. All right. Uh, this is going to be a question involving some sound. All right. Perfect. Uh, this guy, Connor McDavid. You might know him. Yeah, no, plays for the I Edmonton don't. Oilers. Well, probably the greatest hockey player in the world right now. How many goals did he score last night? <laughs> None. Um, Connor uh, lit up the Ontario Hockey League uh, before dominating in the NHL. Here's a here's a segment of him playing in the minors. Chance for McDavid going to the front of the net. He scores. Connor McDavid playing keep away on the Sarnia Sting. Now McDavid. Taylor Radish rounds out this line. Here's McDavid looking to walk in. Watch by Cora in front of the net. It's in. It went off of Taylor Radish. Taylor Dupuis says it was kicked in. We'll wait for the official, but it's now a 3-3 game at this point. I love how surprised he is. Like, it was a pretty surprising surprised. goal. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty incredible goal. Uh, so, Brandon Kelly, here's your question for two ridings. What right. OHL team did Connor McDavid play for? Was it the London Knights? the Erie Otters, Guelph Storm, or the Hamilton Bulldogs? I don't know. Well, Erie is not even in Ontario. London, Guelph, Hamilton. Oh, I'll go with Erie. The Erie Otters is correct. Yes. Connor McDavid's OHL career concluded. The non-Ontario one. Yes, but he is in the Ontario uh, uh, Hockey League. Uh, he recorded 120 points in his last season with that team and won basically every award that he could win in that so uh, there's also a very famous video of him leaving the rink swearing in that jersey that uh, gets retweeted every time the Oilers lose a game. That's really funny. I recommend you mm. go and find it. Uh, two ridings there. And uh, if you're wondering, you just won the riding of Scarborough Agincourt. Oh, so there you Scarborough go. Agincourt. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. Five ridings. Wow. You are in the lead right now. Uh, Shane Hewitt? Well, I don't have much of a choice here, do I? I've really got to go with the... Um... I've really got to go with, you know, the opposite of what Brian, I got to keep up. So I'm going to go with uh, bands. I'll go yep. with uh, two ridings to try to keep up here. Okay. Two ridings. I'm going to give you three bands. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to give you four bands. Okay. Four bands. Three of them are from Ontario. One of them is not. Tell me which of these bands is not from Ontario. We have the Tragically Hip, Metric. Billy Talent and Voivod. Oh, I don't know Voivod. Voivod are metal, thrash metal. They're thrash metal. They're thrash metal. Should we, no. so we should we try and get a little listen of what how bad Voivod is, or is it actually? Good? Uh, no, I it's it's pretty good. I would if you're gonna put on. Hold on, mm, I saw them open. You're from just gotta look at their bio on the on the. Yeah. On no, the I won't Spotify. look at the bio. It's on Spotify. It doesn't say. Just look uh, at the bio and it'll be like, well, there you are from. You know what? <laughs> How can you've got all the cheating tricks all sorted out even before we... Um... I just know what you're up to over there. I know. It's, mm. I got the, what song should I do, right? What song should you do? Uh, probably like Tribal... Con- something off their first album, I would say. Astronomy Divine? Best album. Sure. That's the most uh, yes, that's the best. Things. Yeah, do Astronomy, yeah. They got their Wikipedia page up. So, so, so far. This is like kind of a spacey thrash metal song. It's not too heavy. Well, it is called Astronomy Divide. Mm-hmm. Remind me. Where's it, Domine? Oh, it's cool, hey? Not the lyrics I thought I would be getting into, though. I gotta be honest. Well, it's okay. Alice and Chainsy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, okay, well, yeah, I don't know Voivod, cool. so I'm going to go with Voivod because they're the only one that I don't know, and I'm unsure about... Mm. Billy Talent, I know, because uh, I uh, used to you live down there. Uh, metric, I'm iffy on. I'm, that's where I'm doubtful is Metric, mm-hmm. and I don't know Voiva, Voivod. Voivod? Voivod. So Voivod. I'm going with Voivod. Voivod is correct. Voivod is from Montreal. From Montreal. Uh, and you just won two ridings, including Huron and Bruce. There you go, Huron Boy. Bruce. 
Cottage I think there's country. no exp- expiration timer on our guesses on this show. Yeah, I was going to say. No. Cottage country. You won cottage country. So now when things go sideways for you, you can escape to your cottage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the trash talk in here. What's the deal? You, that actually doesn't sound too bad, eh? Uh, all right. Well, yeah, we've got to tie it. Five writings Sign each. me up. And I do not, guys, I do not want to do a recount. So somebody's got to pull ahead here. Uh-oh. Brennan Kelly, please pick a category that you would like uh, to compete within. Places and, and spaces. spaces for two. For two. For two ridings built on the fork of the Thames River. The city's namesake is the capital of its country. If you go looking for Hyde Park, you'll find a pleasant little community. What's it called? Whew. That's tough. London? Yes. Now, you just earned yourself one riding. This what? is the extra question hidden within the two riding question. London, Ontario was Canada's original capital city. Why did it why did that capital uh, banner move to Ottawa? Was it I because King, I thought Kingston was the it was one of capitals. Uh, well, uh, well, Lake too, if you're talking about during early days before Confederation, all that. So why London, Ontario? The geography made it difficult to expand the city. It was vulnerable to attack during the War of 1812. Or Ooh. Ottawa was one of Canada's prime minister's favorite cities. And he just wanted to move it. Well, Ottawa was a swamp. And some will argue that it still is, but that's beside the point. Um... It was a joke. It was a political joke. Oh, good. There's oh, a good political th- joke. I was actually pretty good. Well, I'm going to give you that done. one. I was, I was thinking, I was like, actually, it's not that swampy. No, Lots of rivers. It was but... not a physical joke about its its landscape. Well done. Um, I know that it was moved to Ottawa because there was a fight over Toronto and Montreal, so they put it in the middle. They're like, oh, no, it's going on a swampland here. It's not going to any of those big cities. Um... So you're asking me why London was taken away? Yeah, why is London? Why was London changed? Why did London lose the capital city? Uh, what was that? It was War of 1812 was one of them, which I yep. don't. Jog- and the other one was the geography made it difficult to expand the city. And also it was one of Canada's prime minister's favorite cities. Uh, well, so the geography shouldn't make it difficult to expand because there ain't nothing out there um, besides London. Um, I'll go with the War of 1812 thing. That is correct. Yes, the Americans did indeed attack the city. Or attempted to. Yes. Hmm. You just won the, the riding of Brampton Center, so we got a tie game. Nice. Uh, Shane, yeah. we're down by two. Can I clarify that piece of info? I think that it was proposed as a capital. I don't think it actually was the capital. I think you're right, actually. On that. Um, yeah. I think that King, Kingston, reasoning... because it was the King family that founded mm-hmm. King's Kingston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the reason why they chose Ottawa was because they couldn't decide between Toronto and Montreal. I believe that was, mm-hmm. that was sort of halfway, and I think that was why. So I don't think it was actually... But it definitely was on the list of things to do, and I do. Uh, that's why I I, I gasped with mm-hmm. the answers to the question because the War of 1812 was the big player there. So very cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, Shane, you're down by two <sighs> ridings. Two. Yep. Yeah, two ridings. Okay, so I got to go. Well, there's one. There's one for three ridings left. I got to yes. go three ridings to win. So you I can go sports teams ridings. for three ridings, so I can be Premier of Ontario and win all the ridings. Let's go. You got it. Okay. Mike Weir from Sarnia, Ontario, became mm-hmm. the first male golfer in Canada to win a major when he lifted which title in 2003? Was it the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship, the British Open, or the Masters? I love golf. I've been golfing for 34 years. Mm-hmm. So if I get this wrong, <laughs> this looks really bad on me. <laughs> this is going to look really bad. He has a green jacket. I know that. I'm doubtful if that was the first one, but I do know that he's won the Masters. So mm-hmm. did he win that one first or not? My toes are crossed. But I'm going to go with uh I'm going to go with the Masters. Well, you and the uh the text line have sent in your answers. And mm. um you know, I thought this election was too close to call. 
Yeah. But uh, with that last question, I can clearly make and decide a winner. The new premier of Ontario yes. is Shane Hewitt. Shane was correct. Yes. It was the Masters. Oh, yes. God. Move over, Doug Ford. <laughs> I didn't want to be premier. Ugh. All right. So like here, here's my first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to build all the highways. I'm building all the highways, a free highway for you, and you get a highway, and you get a highway. And by the way, unity. Let's all yoon itty and have our yoons and our itties come together so we can have yoons and itties and have unity. Thank well you. Said. I'll be premier. Finer words have never been spoken. <laughs> Finer words have never been spoken. Uh, and that's Game Showy. Give me a second. There it is. There it is. There we go. Our sound guy went on strike for a second. That's because he's getting ready for what comes next. Congratulations out to Shane for being cool. Oh, man. This is the Shift Podcast. The cost to buy a house is bananas. And as a guy who uh, rents today because it's just me and I'm divorced, so I qualify for nothing. Banks hate me. Plus, I'm a small business owner, which adds a whole other level of mistrust. Um, It's difficult to get back into the market. Now, I'm in a city where getting into the market is today better than others. I can tell you this. uh, By Melanie's Place in Ottawa, there's uh, a townhouse for sale behind her that's probably about 15 to 20 years old. It's up for sale for $780,000. It's a townhouse around 1,300 square feet. Looks like it's trimmed out nicely, not beautifully. And um, it's still about 25 minutes, 30 minutes away from downtown. So if that doesn't provide one example of wildly unattainable for most people, that's a level of combined income doesn't get you. And that's a level of combined income at hundred grand times two is difficult to achieve. Something's gone wrong. I have raised this question before, and I'm hoping to get some insight from our guest as to why this could be and what we're looking at. Dr. Paul Kershaw is University of BC professor, public speaker, and the uh, founder of Generation Squeeze, a voice for younger Canadians in all things, I'm going to say, Paul, all things important. All things important. (laughs) Um, Love it. They just might not know it yet that they're important. Um. So, yeah, here we are. I mean, we've got, uh, I'll, I'll say it, I'll shoot it to you straight, man. We got prices going up for the most part. I mean, starting to come down here and there in housing. Uh, in an industry where real estate agents are, are, are incentivized to raise the prices and it's in their best interest to have us pay more so they can make more in commissions and they decide the prices. Uh, any other industry, that's a problem. What are we looking at here? Well, let's take it in two parts. Let's take with the broader rise in housing prices and what that's meaning for those out of the market, those in the market. And uh, let's start there and let's make sure we circle back to the specific role of the real estate agents and do they have conflict of interest and what to do about that. Um, But I think if we go to that micro piece first, we miss the bigger problem. And the bigger problem is as follows. You introduced yourself as a renter. I'll self-disclose. I'm a homeowner. I've been a homeowner for a while. I live outside of Metro Vancouver, which has been one of the best places on the planet to be a homeowner because last year alone, my home went up by over half a million dollars, according to BC assessment. Half a That's million, good on the old ledger. Half a million bucks. Well, I slept, watched some television, cleaned the dishes. I've been a hardworking professor at the University of British Columbia for almost 18 years. Over that time, I've been lucky. I get, you know, I get paid reasonably well at UBC and I have my, my employer contribute to my pension as I do. And I know that in my defined contribution pension, I have after 17 and a half years, about half a million dollars saved there. I feel good about that. I feel proud about that, but something crazy is going on in one single year. My home provided while I was sleeping, what 17 and a half years of hard work as a prof work and often 50 plus hour weeks has only done (laughs) through my pension. That's crazy. And so why did I just share that part of my story with you? The reason we tolerate the relentless increase in home prices that have year over year, now for decades, left local earnings behind is because for homeowners, it creates 
easy wealth windfalls. Now, especially yep. in Metro Vancouver, especially in the GTA, but we now see this sort of contagion of rising on a rising home prices spreading throughout Ontario and BC. And then that contagion is more and more having pressures on, you know, Calgary's been able to fed it off for a while, but whether Halifax and a range of other places are seeing the pressures creep in, especially as the pandemic allowed people to work further away from their actual uh, work location. And so why do we tolerate high and rising home prices? Because it's pretty easy for an everyday Canadian homeowner to get addicted to the way in which they can grow their equity, grow their wealth, while they're doing nothing else, while they're just having their home. And so mm. I just I need to say that hard truth. In fact, we started at Gen Squeeze, our own podcast these days called Hard Truth. It's like one of the things that I'm trying to frame. We, we've worked for the last decade to sound the alarm that we had this sort of crisis in housing unaffordability. I used to say that our housing system was broken because it was eroding affordability. Our housing system is definitely eroding affordability. So if a goal is affordability, then it's not working. But I actually think more and more, I need to be honest with people that I think the housing system's been designed excellently to reward existing homeowners with pretty substantial wealth increases. Yeah. Well, you're, that's the assumption that the housing system was designed for everyone to succeed as opposed to the housing system people. And that goes back to my point about commissions, right? Who's the first person to find out about the good land deal? The real estate agent. Who's the, good, who's the first person to get in on the land deal or the house deal? The real estate agent. There's a house that comes up for sale. And they can't ethically like come in and say, hey, your house is worth $200,000 when it's worth a million and, and talk you into selling it for that much. They have to show you the comparables and they have to do those things. But if you say, I'll sell it for two, 200000 and they show you, they can call their buddy and their buddy can buy it. Yep. And then you can buy it off the buddy. Like, I mean, there are ways around this. It's designed to... Um, succeed for some people. And I will also be clear is that I have made money on houses. I have been a homeowner. I've been a property owner. I have been incredibly lucky and successful many times over with that. The reality is, is that today now it's, it's different. And I have a, I have a, a couple of business owner friends. I have a friend that he owns 17 businesses and he also has uh, investments in other businesses. He's a renter because he can't buy a house isn't that wild <laughs> that okay that is i didn't expect that that turn of events in the story that you just told but look there is there are actually first there are a range of experts out there who know more than i do about the importance to regulate the real estate industry better than we're currently doing whether we're talking about problems of buying blind bidding and so on or do we have real estate agents you know both representing the seller and there's the things that we can do to improve on that front and I know that in general terms, I just want to make clear to people that there are others who will know that with more specificity. But let me give you the following stat, which I think can help shine a light on the broader issue. I suggested that Canadians tolerate high and rising home prices relentlessly year over year because many a homeowner does better, especially in our bigger provinces, not so much in Fredericton. But politically, we tolerate it because our politicians, they like to be able to claim that they're good economic managers. Of course, they want to be able to claim that they're going to sell that when they run for office. And we want them to be good economic managers. And one way they say that they're successful is if they're growing our economy. And to do that, they'll say they're growing our GDP. Now, I don't want to get too wonkish here, but let me share the following. The biggest, the fastest growing part of Canada's economy for years now has been, wait for it, real estate, rental, and leasing. That now represents 14% of our gross domestic product. Is that good? Is that bad? Well, it would be perfectly fine if about 14% of Canadians made their living in the same industry. But we don't. Fewer than 2% of Canadians make their living in real estate rental and leasing. So what does that mean? It means we're growing our economy in a way where the relatively small number of people who make their living, their real estate agents, make good livings because they're like, a big chunk of the, the economy coming in, coming into their incomes. Homeowners like me are getting these wealth windfalls, but everybody else is having their hard work pay off less because they're not in industries that are seeing this big GDP growth. And so I keep saying like, is that the right measure for prosperity in Canada? Don't we know that we're a more prosperous country if the following is the case? Our hard work means we, you know, our hard work can pay for more of our major cost of living. It doesn't take as much hard work to cover our major cost of living like housing. And what we're doing is sustainable over time. And right now, that is not at all the case with how we're growing our economy, either via relying so much on real estate to grow our GDP, which 
erodes hard work paying off for those who are not yet in the housing market. And, you know, we could switch subjects and talk about a range of sustainability issues from an environmental standpoint. I think that we need to move to some degree beyond GDP as our measure. And the, the example of housing um, in terms of, you know, small number of workers, but big part of our gross domestic product is a key example of why it's so problematic. So that's a macro level on your micro concern about the degree to which real estate agents have this conflict of interest. Well, and I, I mean, it doesn't even get into the uh, immigration <laughs> to increase GDP, right? I mean, I mean, it's a beautiful country we have, and I love that people come here from all over the world. But when when the government says that they're trying to help people from around the world and they're well fast tracking people to move here, that also raises GDP. So, oh, can we can we delve on that for a couple of minutes? Yeah, sure. If we do, it. let's. Uh, so. I'm you just got really excited there. I this did. is good. So as someone who thinks about intergenerational issues, um, the the role of immigration is such is such a complex one. It's like a double-edged sword. So hard truth for the aging parents in my life that I've been sharing over time, and aging parents everywhere. Well, they worked hard over their working lives and they paid taxes according to the rules of the day. Now that they're retired and they're wanting to draw on our old age security system, and because they're older, they're more likely to draw on our medical care system, the hard truth is actually they didn't pay taxes during their working lives at a level that is commensurate with the benefits, either medical care or retirement income support they now want to draw down from government programs. Mm -hmm. Now, that's because back in the day when we set up our healthcare system and we set up our old age security system, there were seven workers for every retiree. Today, there are fewer than four. Soon, there will be fewer than three workers. And so we have two options. We can either ask sort of just increasingly the baby boom population, will you please pay more of your current income towards your old age security and your medical care? It's not an easy sell. People are like, why didn't you ask for this for me for earlier? Plus, who's this jerk of a professor telling me I didn't pay enough? <laughs> so that's a hard sell. And then, so the way that we solve it is like, okay, we're going to try and bring in more workers so that we don't have this big gap between the number of workers and retirees. So we rely on immigration to do that. But then the flip side of that is where do immigrants want to go? Like everyone else, they want to go to our bigger cities where the jobs are. And that then adds a crunch, put it to that adds, you know, to the demand for the housing. And so that has been a factor that has been driving up demand for housing supply. There sometimes are constraints. And so that has contributed to rising home prices. So the rising home prices has hurt younger people. And we're bringing in those um, additional immigrants often to cover the needs of an aging population because we didn't ask them to prepay for their benefits enough while they were working. In both cases, a younger demographic is kind of getting harmed by this. They're having to pay mm -hmm. more taxes towards their aging loved ones, old age security and medical care. And they're having to pay for the higher home prices and higher rents caused by, in part, rising immigration in our big cities. And so I just think that this is such an interesting tension and there's like a, you know we are a country built on immigration my family we're immigrants so it's so important but boy it is a complex space right now and intergenerational tensions are so at the heart of it oh they truly are um this doesn't even get into the fact that many finance people will say don't include your primary residence as an asset on your ledger your net worth ledger because it's not your asset it's your kid's asset right and because um, you're always going to need a place to live. I mean, leverage and all those things not included. It's oversimplifying. And it also gets into the conversation about, you know, debt today versus GDP and that whole conversation wild, right? So how do we how do we do this, Paul? So generation squeeze is incredibly important. Um, I It's not like anyone's going to go say, hey, by the way, oops, we let things get out of control. Let's just wipe off 50% of everybody's house value and property value across the country. And uh, if you're a homeowner, by the way, you're the one who pays. This excludes the conversation about the politicians being homeowners themselves and deciding what's best. Uh, third party conflict. Um, but we got to get the young people involved somehow. This conversation you and I are having, we have to go to a young person to say, by the way, it's really exciting. And it's not. It's quite dark. Um. Well, I can understand like the dark part. I get, you mean, we're not exciting right now. This is not well, like, the, this is not exciting. the sexiest conversation that anyone's <laughs> having out there this evening. I, I just don't understand why you think it that way. I'm just shocked. No, you're right. Okay. So, but another hard truth. Politics responds to those who organize and show up. I can't tell people how many times I've been either, whether it's in Victoria or Ottawa or Toronto, whatever legislature we're talking about, and an elected official will say, you know, 
it would be, you know, uh, we organize our budgets this way. We invest more in the things that matter for an aging population in no small part because they're more likely to show up at the ballot box. So fix that. And I hear that. Yep. And, and so one of the hard truths to a, a younger demographic, and this is sort of bread and butter messaging from Gen Squeeze, is like, look, folks, too often you hear this myth of the lazy millennial who eats too much avocado toast, drinks too many lattes, and you're on your cell phone too often, even though that's actually connecting us to our jobs 24-7. But the, the idea that eating the avocado toast and the, the drinking the lattes is it tends to actually individualize the problem. It says, ah, it's my choices, you know, my consumer choices, or I made the wrong choice about what career to follow. I must individually be doing something wrong, which is why it's harder to like get ahead, whether I'm trying to rent or you know, start my family or what have you. And in that moment, if we're making a younger demographic keep feeling a little bit at, that anxious that they might be doing something wrong, we dampen down their imagination that actually there are systems changes that we could be making that would allow their hard work to pay off better. And so we're struggling at Gen C to say, it's not your fault that hard work today doesn't pay off like it used to. That's something that we tolerated our system evolving in the last decades. You're being harmed by it, but you can't work your way out of that alone. You're not just you know, studying more or putting your nose to the grindstone more. Very rarely you can be able to save enough to deal with this crazy housing situation per se, or larger deficits and so on. So we need to come together and use our voices to shape the priorities in the world of politics. And that's how we can make hard work pay off again in the future. And, but I've got to be successful in helping people understand why it's important to you know, lend their voice to a group like Gen Squeeze. We're, we have more ability to have their backs in the world of politics if we have a bigger constituency. We're at 37,000 now, but if we were 50,000, we'd be stronger still. If we were 100,000, just think what we could do. And I make this comment, I don't know, uh, you know, I think about listeners in Ontario. There's an election Literally, there's not a single party that is proposing to grow spending on younger people under 45, raising kids, as urgently as they're proposing to spend new money on those who are retirees. There's not a single party proposing to actually balance the budgets in Ontario, even though no one's predicting Ontario to be in a recession. There is every, every leader said, yeah, we know that housing is unaffordable and it's hurting young people, but we haven't had a single party leader say, you know what, we want home prices to stall so earnings have a chance to catch up. Like these are massive intergenerational tensions. And we aren't going to fix those, though, if the world of politics isn't incentivized by a younger demographic showing up in seriously large numbers at the ballot box. And for that matter, I need the parents and grandparents who love them to vote at the ballot box uh, you know, in ways that are attending to the legacy. Are they leaving this place better off than they found it? And there's increasing evidence that the answer is no. And we need to use the world of politics to help us to restore that. Okay, so where can everybody go? Because if you know somebody that would be interested in this, young people, or if you yourself would be interested in getting involved in this, I, I like when you said that, you said that the politics responds to those who show up. It's not necessarily politics responding for what's best. It's responding to those um, that show up. And uh, I had a poli ex-politician say this to me, is that it's the only career in the world where you get measured on how much you spend other people's money. <laughs> so, you know, expecting a politician to be economically responsible, it doesn't make sense because they're whole job is to flash the this is raining dollars everywhere you go right i mean so their job is to spend money the question is how and where do they spend it and do we hold them accountable to that so this is a lesson for everybody paul it's not just for the young uh, young folks and it does it does bring me to this you know this little reminder that we often hear these stories about these amazing new condominiums that'll go up and it's sort of this communal living where it's a shared kitchen but you have your own private apartment for your living room and bathrooms but then you shared living space. But in lots of those places, it's the condominiums, not the landowner, right? And so it's a bit of a, that's that's some of the sneaky, man, is that, okay, now you, you own the condo and you, you don't necessarily own the dirt and, and it, it doesn't, maybe it feels good, but it doesn't help you. And you're the one who's making sacrifices for a landowner that's still going to be there and get final say on what happens to the building. Mm -hmm. They might have to pay out the condominium, but they're still going to get final say. And so- this becomes that crux and that crossroads. And I just, I don't know, man, we're, we're Canada is such a big place. I mean, I get it. Rising prices in Whistler and in Banff and in Canmore and all of these mountain towns that are pigeonholed in, right? That there's no more dirt. You know, you're running Victoria. There's just, 
Unless you're doing a floating house in the marina, we're starting to run out of dirt. That makes sense to me. But when we're talking about these other cities and an urban sprawl conversation, sure, um, you know, eco and economy, uh, economy altogether, um, sure. But the reality is, is we're not running out of space in most places. And this sucks. And even in the places where we might be running out of like two-dimensional space, we're not running out of three-dimensional space. There is room to build that density add up. Uh, Although sometimes people are a bit resistant to having their neighborhoods change that way. And that takes away your view of the mountains, though, buddy. It it does. It does. It does. But I'm pretty keen to have a view of like people, you know, raising families and being happy in our in our communities as opposed to feeling locked out. So I can find I can find the right views of things that make me happy. But. I think two two things I'll, I'll just share right now. I think you're about to ask me like, hey, what can people do if they're interested in Gen Squeeze? Like, I would encourage people to go to GenSqueeze.ca. You know, our ability to influence the world of politics grows with the size of our network. If you found anything compelling about what I said, please go and add your email there. That that adds to our network. If you've thought that some of the things you've heard from me are like, can I say this on the radio? Batshit crazy. Um, oh sure, batshit crazy. Then by all means, go there and send us an email too, and then we can dialogue about it. Um, but I really liked how you said, you know, this isn't just like a young person. This is like, there's something going on in Canadian culture. Your story about the politician is like the only job I get judged on based on spending other people's money. It's even, it's become, I think, a little more cynical than that still. Canadian politics, where I think about the most recent federal election or now the Ontario election, it is featuring party po- political parties across the ideological spectrum. Even conservatives are doing this. Conservatives are letting me down on this, darn it. They are asking, they are saying, give me your vote because I'm going to spend more money on you, but I'm not going to have the hard conversation with you about how we're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And that's happening from every party along the ideological spectrum. When did Canadian p- culture evolve such that we say to our politicians, earn my vote by saying you're going to give me more, but not actually re- you know, reasoning with me about how we so- as a society are going to pay for it now, rather than kick the can down the road and have our kids and grandchildren pay for it. That is the reality with our government budgets. For that matter, it's actually the same issue with our environmental deficits. It's the, sa- it's the flip side of the same coin. Oh, it's the same thing with time, man. Time debt is the biggest of all the debts. Tell me more about that. Well, time is just as simple as uh, we are over, we are constantly as, there's two types of people in the world, right? There's consumers and creators. It's just that simple. And yes, we both, obviously we consume carrots because we're hungry, but there are things in our lives that we consume and there are things in our lives we can recreate. Most people in today's world are, are consuming and we sign up for more jobs, more Facebook, more Instagram, more TikTok. We get put on an extra panel at work, right? Now we've got to drive further to go to the other grocery store because Costco's cheaper and we can't do this. We live in a level of time debt that we've never experienced before and we get marketed and told that it's in our best interest and we can't keep up number one best evidence example of that one of the fastest growing industries in the world is storage (laughs) rv storage storage units we will put the box not only do you have a storage unit that you pay for per month with a bunch of junk you haven't seen in three years and your RV unit that you haven't camped on. But not only that, you still are in such time debt. You can't even go there. We'll bring it to you in a box and then take it away. That's time debt. Well, okay. So time debt, I, you know, our, Gen Squeeze is talking about the time squeeze and actually it was one of the key motivating things for Gen Squeeze. So when we started with a really strong focus on family policy, I don't know if anyone out there is, you know, excited about $10 a day childcare has heard that concept, but we over a decade ago, Gen Squeeze, in our lab started thinking, how do we brand a national childcare recommendation? Uh, and we landed on this language of $10 a day childcare. And our work in combination with many other advocacy orgs has, has led now to this big, historic, generational investment in childcare for the families raising kids. As we were doing that, though, we were like, you know, families are squeezed for enough time at work because earnings are down after inflation and home prices are so much more expensive, whether you're an owner or a renter, but we don't want to squeeze so much time that in the labor market, that there's not enough time at home, you know, with our kids. And so I, you know, we're trying to uh, Jen squeeze to think through how do we bring down some big costs like childcare and housing in people's lives, make sure that they can have secure employment, but so they can have enough time outside of the labor market to do those important things that make us happy. Like, the mantra at Gen Squeeze, we want everyone to have a chance 
chance to live up to our potential, enough time and money to enjoy ourselves and enjoy our families, and then the chance to leave our cities, country, and planet better off than we found it. And so I love that you're actually emphasizing this time theme as time debt as being such a big piece. And maybe actually it encourages me to recognize I need to do a better job of showing how that's an intergenerational tension unto itself, you know? Even how we organize our time over our lives, like we're gonna have a big chunk of time off in retirement and we're not getting better balance when we're, you know, earlier in our lives these days when we're trying to raise our kids. Like, couldn't we do that better? Uh, I was had one of the worst bosses in my life had one shining moment. And uh, I'll leave this for our next conversation as we uh, are clearly inspired to continue. And that's um, the thing that he said was, I don't care what it takes for you to get here to work. I need you to do it. Mm -hmm. So when you get here, you can truly be your best self. And he was a terrible boss. But that was a very, very good statement. And if we could just do whatever we need to do outside of the workplace to be the best self that we can be so we can go to the work and do the best work ever, wouldn't that make a difference? And that's inspiring to me. I agree. And let it also be an example of how when people we think generally, you know, aren't offering, you know, the best version of themselves to us, but if we can charitably interpret them and find some wisdom, nonetheless, I think your example of the story there is, you know, a great, a great, a great way to end on like, let's, let's search for the best interpretation of what's happening with people out there so that we can take that and make make our cities, country, and planet the places we want them to be. It's beautiful. Uh, Dr. Paul Kershaw, uh, gensqueeze.ca. We're going to have to uh, continue this with more conversation down the road. Thanks for being so generous with your time and inviting everybody to be part of your program. That's pretty cool. My pleasure. And thanks so much for the invite. This is The Shift Podcast. Are you okay with amusement park rides? Yeah. It's like my least favorite thing about living in Alberta is that I don't have immediate access to an incredibly large amusement park. Like the one at West Ed's pretty good. Callaway Park uh, is small and doesn't have like a giant coaster. That was my favorite part of living in Ontario was Wonderland. Like I would go there every day if I could. I love, I love roller coasters, coasters, man. Mm -hmm. It's just the best. Mm -hmm. As long as you don't mind waiting in line. Okay, but let's start this again. How about this? Are you okay with amusement park rides that go upside down? Ooh. Mm, Temporarily. I don't like the ones that hang upside down. I like, uh, let me give you an example at, uh, at Wonderland, there's the it used to be the Top Gun ride, and then they lost the Paramount branding. I don't know what it's called now, but it's one of those hanging ones, you know, yeah, where the you're roller coaster. Strapped. Yeah, roller coasters, uh, and you know, it goes up and it has like that long segment where you're upside down, and then flips you back. That's good. Any longer upside down, not not ideal. I don't like the spinny ones, and I really don't like the spinny upside down ones. Yep. I don't mind the ones that go upside down, especially when they're going fast. You feel like you're stuck to your seat. I think that's probably that's probably it. BK rides for you. Anything like that? Yeah, I don't mind them. I'm a big. I'm a big. I'm a. I say I'm a big rides guy, but I enjoy rides. I don't care if they go upside down. Uh, spinny ones, maybe not so extremely spinny, but I mean, I can handle one or two. To be honest. Uh, you know, wooden roller coasters I used to love, but they're a little bit too bumpy and jerky. Jarring. Jarring, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, God, yeah. again, in moderation. I like rides in moderation. Yeah. Uh, Glennie says, big time yes for roller coasters, big time no for four-hour waits for them. Isn't that the truth? Um, I Did I ever tell you my dream? Like, I always had a dream, young my young man bucket list item that I didn't ever do that I hope to do one day. And that's to go buy a rotten old, like, 70s gigantic Lincoln or Cadillac. Like, cut the roof off it, no roof, and hit the road, and your only map is roller coasters. And when the yeah. car dies, you leave it. That's when you're done. You fly home. That sounds amazing. So you, the landmarks, your stops would be roller like coasters. Parks. Oh, yeah. So, like, Silverwood in Idaho is really good around here. Um, they're building one, I think, outside Twasson, aren't they? Aren't they building a park there? 
I don't know. Um, It'd be everywhere. Like I would go through New York, Buffalo, like oh, I, you'd California. Hit them all. Like, yeah. like you'd you try to go east to west and get as many of the big ones, the Six Flags and all the big ones down there. Um, I think this would be cool. What a great way to do uh, to do it. So uh, getting on these roller coasters and hanging upside down, I think it's safe to say most people are okay with that in small bursts. Unfortunately for riders in a Pennsylvania amusement park, their upside down adventure lasted a little too long. Kennywood Park in West Mifflin confirmed the Aero 360 ride malfunctioned and it left riders stranded upside down. It was a nightmare come true. That's like my biggest fear when going on upside down rides. This ride at Kennywood, the Aero 360 stopped working and left riders hanging upside down on Monday. I think that's really scary because like just being stuck upside down for a couple minutes, that's just, it wouldn't even feel great. Some people who were on the ride say they were traumatized by the incident. One witness tells me they remember hearing riders screaming for help. Kennywood's general manager said in a statement maintenance staff responded, quickly brought the ride back to its designated rest position and safely evacuated the riders. Some park goers aren't sure if they would get on the intense ride. I probably won't ride it ever. I would never go on that ride. There's a lot of rides that don't go upside down and I'm just, I like, I like those ones and I'm just going to stick to those ones. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's from CBS Pittsburgh. The ride will remain closed while review is conducted. The scariest part is that what did not malfunction in that case was gravity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that ride looks pretty intense, by the way. It's like one of the spinny ones that goes up and down. And they were stuck, like, fully facing the ground upside down for, like, a long time, just staring, waiting. That'd be no what good. happens next? That'd be no good because, like, when you're on those rides, you fully feel like a lot of them. Like here at P and E Pacific Place, there's a ride like that, and you feel out of the seat and pressing against the restraints that Some are holding straps, you in. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you'd be in a permanent state of that. That's crazy. Um, I see. That's the part that it, the feeling loose part. Like I went on one of those reverse rocket, like they in little pod, the bungees, reverse bungee ones. And they, the guy clicks you in and I'm like, clicky, click, click. It's like loose. And I'm like, I need one more click, please. He's like, are you sure it's going to be tight? I'm like, yep, lock me in, my friend. And he clicked it. It was so tight. Like I couldn't really like inhale a full breath. It was so tight. But you know what I didn't feel? Like I was going to fall out. So it was a good thing. Are you okay with golf? Jolf, I used to think it was the most pointless excuse of a sport ever. And then I played it and I went, hey, they're onto something with this one. Because not only do you get to enjoy the outdoors and use a little bit of strategy, you can get day drunk and zoom around in a little golf cart, which is basically a go-kart with a roof. So it's kind of just the most, I think by that standard, it's like a top tier fun sport. Even when you're sober, it's pretty good. But in the summer, mm-hmm. day drunk golf, excellent. All right, BK. Eh, golf, golf courses are pretty. I like I like mini putt, but as far as golf, no, I, I don't golf. Yeah. Love don't golf. Do it. Golfing for a very long time. Uh, golf is an incredibly competitive sport, and some want to break into the market, the market of actually owning a golf tour. The Telegraph in the UK is reporting that Live Golf, I, I don't know if it's Live or Live, but it's LIV Golf, the upstart golf league backed by the Saudi government and fronted by Greg Norman, is seeking to disrupt, to disrupt the PGA Tour, paid a huge name in golf, a huge amount of money to get in on it. The Saudi-backed league Live Golf released its field for the first event scheduled next week at the Centurion Club just outside of London. There are 42 names released today, and the highest-ranked player, well, it is a bit of a stunner. Let's take a look. It is former world number one and 24-time PGA Tour winner Dustin Johnson, who headlines the 54-hole, no-cut, $25 million event in England, also including 16 of the world's top 100 and six former major champions. Other names include the likes of Sergio Garcia, who's openly expressed his interest in the tour for a while now. Former U.S. Open winners in Martin Keimer and Graham McDowell. And, of course, Euro uh, Ryder Cup heroes Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood. 
So why is this happening? Well, there's a throwing a lot of money at it. Greg Norman is the face of it, but Jack Nicholson said that they offered him towards a hundred million dollars to be the face of it before that. So they're throwing a bunch of money at this. Golf is a big competitive sport. Why would they be going after the uh, PGA? Well, that's a big question. That report, by the way, from NBC Golf. So let's answer that question in just a second. So what is the impact of Dustin Johnson, uh, Rain Gretzky's son-in-law, going to this tour? RBC, his sponsor, Royal Bank of Canada, cut ties with him because of it and announced it was very disappointed with his decision to play on the circuit. The 37-year-old Johnson's married to Paulina Gretzky. He won in 2016 and 2020. Uh, he will not be able to play for the PGA now. Uh, the league uh, in- issued a statement saying members have not been authorized to participate in the Saudi Golf League's event and are subject to thus far unspecified disciplinary action. That's exactly why they're doing it. And some of them have said it. We're doing this to get the attention of the PGA to change the rules. And... Um, and that's what's happening is that the PGA has such a lock on everything that's done. In some cases, some really old antiquated rules, um, that, that it just, they, they're done with it. They're done. They're like, this is the silliest, um, silliest thing ever. So he, here's an example of, of what's happened. Uh, uh, Hideki Matsuyama is a fantastic golfer, disqualified for the first time ever in his career because he has markings on his driver like with a sharpie or a paint pen for alignment markings and so he was disqualified from the whole tournament because he had markings on his that would be like if somebody wrote the number 10 on their hockey stick and got disqualified for it and kicked out of the game with a game misconduct so that's what it's a big pushback. If you like to watch the golf, there's going to be a big battle of the market and some of the amazing talent that's in the PGA is leaving because they're sick of what they seem to describe as being just the overlords of golf. It's always great for a good nap though, if nothing else on TV. Are you okay with bees? Oh yeah, love bees. Make make honey, and they're they're kind of cute. I'd say they're probably the only cute bug on the planet. You know, mm. no ladybugs, dude. Uh, I, I wouldn't call ladybugs cute. Ladybugs are just nice. Oh, I've everyone loves ladybugs. Yeah. Partial to the praying mantis. They're yeah. cool. Yeah. Don't they eat their partner after they, they rip mate? their head off too? Yeah. Yeah. No nonsense. Weird. Yeah. No, straight to the point. (laughs) I love it. Did I tell you that I saved a bee the other day? I was very excited. No, how'd you do it? On the radio, put some. uh, Yeah, I had the door open, took the dog out, came inside, heard the zap in the window, and I had to get the blinds up and get the bee to come to a place where I could get it. Little plastic container over the window, got the bee in there, slid the lid on, and inside he was zap. Inside the the container was not pleased. Got outside, let's set the bee free, made my day. You know, did good. Part of that. you know, that bee would have just stung you if it had the option. Yeah, I know. That's all right. Probably. Yeah. Set the bee free, man. Set the bee free. But who doesn't love bees? Aside from getting stung, of course, bees are the best. They pollinate, they fly around, they just do their thing. Some bees are endangered species, and the state of California wants to make sure they could be counted as endangered as well. Just one problem, the state needed to find a loophole to find a way to make it all work. Well, bees are now legally considered fish in California. Let me explain. The designation comes from a ruling by the state appellate court. In 2019, California added some bumblebees to the state's Endangered Species Act. But to do that, they had to list the insect under the fish umbrella But agricultural groups sued, and they won, arguing that insects were not directly listed in the statute and therefore could not be protected. But this latest ruling argued that other invertebrates are already defined as fish. That's weird. (laughs) Nothing like just changing the rules because it's convenient. 
Wrong. Can you? I can't wait to see the picture. It's like you know, it's going to be like a, t- a, a table, and it's going to have illustrations of the endangered species of California, and at the top is just going to be fish, and you know, it's going to branch out, and you're going to see other types of fish, and then right in the bottom corner, there's just going to be a bumblebee. <laughs> you know, that's it, you know, who well, it's, it's, it speaks to how messed up laws and rules are when yes. you just can't protect a bee, like, and you've got to yeah. split the rules. That should take a good hard look in the mirror of you got the rules wrong, my friend. Yeah, you know who we should ask about this? Hmm. Greg Fish. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is funny. He's well, he's from California, so we California, had um we had fish. a bee guest on just this week. If you want to go to itstheshift.ca and listen to the podcast of it, and we learned that bees only pollinate one flower type at a time. That was new news. So if they yep. do dandelions and they're all doing dandelion pimping, making dandelions grow, they only go from dandelion to dandelion. Then they go home, have a shower, drop off their all their gear, and then they might go out and do, I don't know, roses. Oh, they're creatures of habit. I feel a kinship with them. Yeah, that's good. Aww. That report, by the way, was from CBS News. Amphibians like frogs are also listed as fish under the state's <laughs> definition. At least they swim. Yeah, they swim. Bees do not swim. That's weird. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 